It is the 21st century. There are too many video games. But out there, it's waiting. The best video game you've never played. Welcome to The Best Video Game You've Never Played, the podcast where I, stand-up and improv comedian Lewis Dunn, sit down with a guest to go over a video game that they think is brilliant that I haven't played. I play it for a week, get back to them, and we have a chat about whether or not it is the best video game you have never played. This week's guest is Zach Sizer. Zach is a wonderful improv comedian uh, who does all sorts of shows all over the place. Uh, one of his main projects is The Ciliad which is uh, uh, improvised myths and legends. They take suggestions from things from Egyptian mythology, Norse mythology, Greek mythology, uh, and they come up with a brand new myth to explain something about the world uh, using the mythology of your choice. It's a wonderful, very, very funny show. It's been all over the place. It's been to Edinburgh. It's been to Brighton. Uh, I understand that they, they are planning more shows in the future. There's currently nothing uh, on the schedule right now, but if you go find them on Twitter... Uh, they do some very, very funny content uh, regarding myths and legends. Zach is also part of Any Suggestions Doctor, the improvised Doctor Who parody, which is the show that I'm in and that I produce. Uh, and he's very, very funny on that. Any Suggestions Doctor is, of course, on tour right now. Go to anysuggestionsimprov.co.uk to find out where you can see that show. But we are here to chat video games. And Zach has brought along... Well, he's brought along a video game that was a very interesting project for me because... He also suggested about a few other games, and we'll get to that in the podcast, but I think this game in particular really, really was like stroking a cat the wrong way on me. This is really something I was I was thinking about how it was so not going to be my thing, and I think we'll find that this conversation is a very interesting confrontation of that bias that I have towards this genre. So, without any further ado, let's join now as we speak to Zach about his game of choice. <laughs> Hello, Zach. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Lewis. How are you? I'm okay. I've been having a very strange few weeks, Zach, because you have... So, look, I, I should let the listener know. I, I asked you to come on this podcast actually quite a long time between now and when we asked, when you yeah, came on yeah. to record. And that's because life has been bizarre over yeah, the past few months. You know, lockdowns and no lockdowns, and we're doing a tour together now and all sorts mm -hmm. of weird things. But the thing that happened mostly was that you recommended four games to me... And every single one of them I wanted to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I sent you a, a long list of games and you played a good number of them, um, which is yeah. which is fair. A lot of them were, you know, sort of quite well-known, really good games, such as, you know, God of War, etc. Yes, yeah. And well, I could I could talk forever about God of War. I think God of War is one of the best games that came out in the last generation yeah. of consoles. Um, but then, yeah, there was yeah, there was some that you hadn't played, which was which was good. Well, there was a weird situation now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let the listener behind the curtain now, which is that you we we essentially narrowed it down to three games. One of which was the Fire Emblem game on Switch, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yes. And initially, I committed to that. Yep. And then I looked up how much Fire Emblem Three Houses is, yep. and I went, I would like to reconsider <laughs> my choice. 
<laughs> that's fair enough. That's fair enough. It's a spenny game. It's just Nintendo games, man. They're just a pain in the ass. Oh, and, and they never go down. Like, this is the problem with Nintendo games. You can wait 10 years and they'll have gone up to £300. Yes. And I don't know why. <laughs> like, we were, just, we were discussing before this, there's GameCube games you're currently looking yeah. for that are just. It's ridiculous. Um, so we ba- I backed off that, but then there were three, the three other games you recommended. I owned all of them. Good. And I'd played at least a little bit of all of them. Okay. Yes. So the the first one, which I initially was really tempted to do, was Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm-hmm. Because I played that during my break between Series 1 and Series 2 of the podcast, and it was... I loved it. I absolutely really loved Final... And I did not expect to love Final Fantasy VII Remake, because I don't like turn-based JRPGs. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that bodes well. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out Final Fantasy VII is not a turn-based it's not, JRPG. It's not a turn-based. It's sort of, what if Kingdom Hearts wasn't shit? Yeah, and it was really yeah. good, and I loved it, and and I didn't expect to love it, and I thought it was going to be full of fan servicey nonsense, and then actually it was, but it didn't matter too much. Yeah, it's a game that gets a little bit bogged down, and you're like, I don't mind too much because there's enough going on still. I know that there there's a there's a ongoing plot thing in Final Fantasy VII Remake to do with time travel and the oh, fact yeah. it is a remake, and it's very meta, but I still. Even though I know that was there, I was like, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. I wasn't like yeah. destroyed by it. I, I mean, think. correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't play the original. I No, well, I've not played the original much. I think I played the original for about four hours on the computer. Mm. And I was kind of liking it, though it is incredibly hard to take seriously when there are all these weird little dolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you mean. And See, just, I've never played it. Uh, I've played about three hours on the Switch version. Yeah. Um, after I played Final Fantasy VII Remake. So I was going in completely blind mm. to what this story is, who these characters were, um, which is potentially why I enjoyed it a lot more than the internet seems to, who were like <laughs> diehard original Final Fantasy VII fans. Yeah, I'm stunned, actually. Because obviously that was that was a weirdly good year for games. It was last yeah. year, wasn't it? Yeah. You had Last of Us Part Two, we had Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VII Remake, uh, Hades was last year, Half-Life yeah. Alex. I was stunned Final Fantasy VII Remake didn't didn't break 90 on a Metacritic or Open Critic. I thought, after I was playing it, I was like, I don't understand. Yeah. The, like, what quality are you expecting from this? I thought, it, but obviously it's because it's kind of, it's there because of the original and the nostalgia people love for it. But also it's held back by the fact that people have nostalgia and love for the original. And they're like, it's not quite what I'm Oh, and you've changed it. And it's not the same. And yeah. yeah, and it's not the same. And that's why I thought it was really good. Yeah, exactly. They've updated it for, you know, 20 years later. But we're not doing Final Fantasy We're not doing VII. that one. <laughs> we're not doing Final Fantasy VII Remake. The next game you recommended was Ghost of Tsushima. Yep. Which was also another brilliant game that came out in 2020. Yes. That I also, I got for my birthday last year. And I've played about 15 hours of Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. And I, I have a weird relationship with the game. Which is that I think it's really, really good. But I only want to play it when I am in the mood for a samurai <laughs> revenge film. And I'm in a sort of low, calm, serious mood. Yeah. I don't find it like... In, in the same way that when I was playing God of War... Every minute I wasn't playing God of War, I was like, I can't wait to get back to playing God of War. Yes, I know what you mean. Whereas Ghost of Tsushima, it's more like, I'll remember I have it and go, oh yeah, I'll go play some more, that'd be, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, there's a... I, I do like just wandering in Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. In the same... Like, I really enjoy wandering in Red Dead Redemption 2 and just being in that world for a little bit and fun things just popping up and, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll go and do that and I'll do that. Um, and I enjoy that in Ghost of Tsushima... 
but it's a it's a little bit more boring than Red Dead <laughs> Two in that because there isn't as much as popping up. No, but it's just it's, it's a beautiful game to look at. It is. I feel like I, the reason I'm not making much progress in Ghost of Tsushima isn't because like the mission design's bad or the story isn't compelling or anything like that. It's just because I will get distracted by I'll find a yes. camp and I'll be like. What's in here then? I think every time I climbed a shrine, it took me about three times as long because I get to the top and enter photo mode and just <laughs> fiddle with, with filters and movement and everything at the top and just save it as a screenshot and never look at it again. But I'm like, that was a nice picture. But this is the thing is Ghost of Tsushima again was very tempting because I haven't finished it and I could have mm-hmm. picked it and gone for finishing it. The reason, I, So the reason we didn't do Final Fantasy VII Remake is I think it would have been an easy win. Yeah, I think you would have. I, you know, if this podcast was Final Fantasy Remake, is it the best game you've ever played? It would be yes. I cool. was amazed how much I love it. With Ghost of Tsushima, I think we would have had a very boring podcast about us just going, yes, nice. It's just, yeah, it's just nice. It's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> so now we're going to get to the game that we are actually going yes. for, which I checked with you before. You are still willing to back. You are still yeah. willing to say, no, 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 I love this. I, I, thought I it was really, good. really love this game. Yes. That game is Persona Five. Now, this is fascinating to me, Zach, because I I have Persona 5 because I got the PlayStation Plus collection with my PlayStation 5. Yeah. I just like reminding people I have a PlayStation 5. <laughs> it's just nice. To, I got in early. I immediately pre-ordered it. I'm very happy with it. Um, I started playing Persona 5 a little bit when I got my PlayStation 5, and I went, oh, this is all right. Mm-hmm. And then I got distracted by all the other stuff that yep. came on the PlayStation 5. I played God of War, I played Final Fantasy VII Remake, all these other things. And then you had it on your list, and I went, it was all right, actually. It's, it's, it's yeah. kind of interesting. So why don't you introduce to the audience what Persona 5 is? So, it's, it's a tricky game to describe, because it sort of it melds a lot of different genres, or two, uh, two specific genres. So it's a JRPG... So a Japanese RPG. Um, so it is a turn-based RPG in terms of uh, the combat and mm. most of the gameplay. Uh, but it's also sort of a social sim at the same time. Uh, and, right. it, and it merges that sort of having to build relationships with people and live your day-to-day life mm. alongside dungeon crawling and JRPG combat mechanics. Yeah, um, yeah I mean... Do you want me to go into a bit about the story, or...? Well, I think you've said... Right, you said it's a social sim. Yeah. I I don't necessarily know what that means. <laughs> I don't know if I could say any other game that comes to mind that would be the genre social sim. Oh, I'm ch- well. I mean, this is this is this is funny because uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses is pretty similar. It's pretty similar. <laughs> it's pretty similar. Basically, you're you you. When you're not dungeon crawling and JRPGing and doing all the turn-based combat with your personas and all of that, um, you're you're hanging out as a as a a Japanese schoolboy, living day-to-day life in uh, his school days, um, building relationships with with colleagues or or other what are they called classmates confidants confidants is what they're called in the game yeah Um, so classmates people around japan you journey around tokyo um it's got very well realized actual real world locations around tokyo which is also interesting (laughs) yeah it's 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 really cool um i can't off the top of my head i'm trying to think of another game that you would classify this as is, a, This is the thing I'm more getting at. Is you've gone for social sim, 
I would go for visual novel. Yeah, it's a, interestingly, they've made mangas of Persona Five. So you yeah. can get the full story in a manga. You can also watch the full story as an anime. You can both I... after they 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 did those after the game came out. So it wasn't like they were they did them and they went oh this would make a good game. They did the game and then made those because they were like, oh, this would make a good manga well, or a good anime. I actually found out, and if you're listening to this and you're interested, the Persona 5 anime is mm-hmm. actually on all four. It is. <laughs> so yes. you can go and watch Persona 5 story. So this is the thing that's interesting about Persona 5. So yeah, you've, you've, you've also hinted towards the story there. You play as a Japanese schoolboy. Yes. But that's not actually who you are in terms of like... What the game is actually about is you are a supernatural thief yeah sort of um so it, it essentially opens you have um you are on on parole or probation probation mm. you're on probation because you stopped uh, an assault happening and it turned out the person that was doing the assault was quite a powerful person so blamed it on you said you'd assaulted him and you get put on probation and sent to sent to tokyo to just Live there for a year and keep your nose clean and be be a good little Japanese schoolboy. <laughs> um, and then somehow <laughs> you you become yes a uh, a thief a, a thief of hearts a phantom yeah. thief of hearts um, where you venture into people's distorted desires. This is all sounding this is very the problem wanky. With this is so. This is one of the things that's so hard about Persona, as a because right because everything you've said so far is basically correct. Yeah, it's not quite correct. No, because it's impossible to explain. Basically, Persona has a has a a, a real world. Yeah, that is sort of the world we know and and yes. and then it has a world of just constant allegory and metaphor where yeah. the rules are really difficult to understand and follow. A hundred percent. So they call that the the metaverse. Yeah. And you get there through an app in your phone yeah. because a strange man in a prison contacted you while you're sleeping, mm. and then uh, a cat um, who talks to you um, starts teaching you a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, and you have to venture into this metaverse for the most part you can venture into it in 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 other ways but for the most part you venture in in places called palaces which are where really bad people their desires have become so distorted that they view a real world location as a a a different location um that they have control over and you have to go in and try and steal their treasure in order to try and reconcile them to the awful things that they have done it's a massive, weird, inconsistent metaphor yep. that is still pretty cool. Yeah, like it doesn't. It, it... The problem, the problem with it is not necessarily the idea. I feel like in a lot of ways they're obsessed with explaining it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like they could have had the confidence to back away and just go, "Oh, in the metaverse, people's like self-image manifests into evil." Yeah. Except the metaphor doesn't necessarily constantly carry. Because in this metaverse, there are demons that are people, but they're not people. Yeah. But they serve the people who have the evil desires, yeah. even though they themselves do not... Though They are actually... They are literal demons, because Persona is actually a spin-off from a series called Shimagami Tensei, yeah. which is set, I think, a few hundred years after Persona. I've got no idea. It's like this... <laughs> this is... The, it's like... 
It sounds like the most insane complicated thing in the world. And the reason it sounds like the most insane complicated thing in the world is because it's been written by people who really love that Japanese high school supernatural melodrama. Yep. And that is a genre that exists. And Persona is almost trying to be subversive with that genre in some respects. Mm. It's just that, I don't know about you, I'm not massively familiar with the high school melodrama Japanese genre. The most I can think of is I watched Death Note as a teenager. Yeah. And I liked Death Note, and I've gone back to watch it as an adult, and I'm like, this doesn't hold up. (laughs) (laughs) See, I've never never been a big fan of anime. Yeah. Um, I've tried a few... And uh, I mean, I think the most, the, the one that I got the most into is not about high school at all. It's Attack on Titan, yeah. which I managed to watch for about a season. And then I think in the second season, they just, most of it is just recapping what happened in the previous episode and what was going to happen in the next episode. <laughs> and there was about five minutes of content. Um, so I've never been hugely into, into that yeah. side of it. Um, I think I was just, I was, yeah, I was just taken by initially the art style of it as well. It's, yeah. If it was just presented in a way, in an art style similar to something like Final Fantasy VII Remake, mm. I don't think it would work. I think it works okay. because of the art and the, the music and everything that goes along with the gameplay. It does feel like you are, you know, it's hard. Oh, it, it sounds it's... wanky, but <laughs> it feels like you are, yeah, watching. Uh, an anime, uh, but also in it, and uh, it's it's weird, man. It, it does the thing that no Simpsons game has ever successfully done, which is adapt a 2D anime yeah. art style into 3D very successfully. Yes. Like, every every still image of the game looks like an anime frame, yeah. but when it moves, it looks like a 3D game, yeah. and it works, and yeah. it looks really good. And this is one of the most stylish games I've ever played. Yeah. Every menu is brimming with art, and it's got cool, low-key jazz under lots of yep. it. And it's got, like, the loading screen has take your time, is what it says. So obviously, pun on the fact that it's loading. But then also, it's literally the game going, like, chill out. Chill. chill out. This game's hundreds of hours long. Don't yeah, worry take about it. Slow. You're not going to win it by just yeah. mashing through it. And it, it it's really self-confident in what it wants to be. Yeah. And there's no, like, there's no ambiguity about whether or not... I don't. You're right. I don't think in like ten years' time they're going to do like Persona Five Remastered and we'll be like, finally, it looks like it should. It it looks like it will always look. It's kind of spot. Yeah, it's a bit ageless in terms of its in terms of its uh, its art style. It's in the same way that certain you know um, SNES games yes. still look fab despite the fact yes. that you know they're they're twenty thirty years old. You've got that weird trend now, which Square Enix are doing with. I think they did it with Octopath Traveler, oh, and they're yeah. doing it with. Triangle strategy. That's the one. And it's like, what if what if we made sprites have realistic looking lighting? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. it looks awful. I played a good good I think I did about ten hours in Octopath Traveller before I just got really bored of Octopath <laughs> Traveller. Mainly because it was like you were just looking at the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, it's just weird and brown and blue, but it's yeah. just a, a bizarre looking game. But Persona Persona five nails down its look. I think it's stylish. I love the music. Music's fab. It's brilliant. It does need more than one battle track. Um, yeah. As my wife, who has been in the background while I've been playing Persona, will eventually come over, put her hand on my shoulder and say, please put in headphones. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the battle theme's brilliant. I love the battle theme. I listened to it in the car, uh, Last Surprise. Yeah. 
it's a brilliant song. It's just every single fight in the game yeah, uses it, the it, Yeah, I can't remember. So this is this is a disclaimer as well. Yeah. We have technically played slightly different versions of this game. Yes. So you've played Persona 5, just the standard... Just Persona 5, re- yeah. Theatrical release Persona yes. 5. And I've played Persona 5 Royal, which is this slightly updated um, version. I think it came out two years after... The yeah, original. it's a really annoying thing, actually, because I think if Persona 5 Royal was, like, an upgrade I could buy, yeah, I would have considered it. But I, if you want to play Persona 5 Royal, you have to buy the entire game. And it, you, can't, yeah. you can't pick up your save file from Persona 5 and move it to Persona 5 Royal. No, no. You can get some... <laughs> you can get some bonuses by doing that oh, but, great. but no it, it's because i think it is slightly it's balanced slightly differently so that the the way that yeah it plays is slightly different um there's different some different mechanics etc in there there's different new confidants that you can mm. build relationships with um but for the most part it is a very very they're, they're basically the same game i think not the same story this is what i was going to say i think if you were to play it through beginning to end it's going to have the same major yeah. story beats, as it were. Royal adds an epilogue if you do certain things in the game. Well, this is the thing. I which should they also... don't explain to you. I you should... need to do to get that epilogue. But, you know, you just have you to figure it out. There's a very annoying trick that some games have, <laughs> which is known as buy a cheat book and know how to yeah. actually do it properly. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Um, but this is the thing. I've, I've, I've only played... So this is the thing. People listening now, and I'm sure you will be like... I've only played 13 hours of this game, mm-hmm. which in the scheme of this game, this game's about 100 hours long if you're playing Approximately, it yeah. It's about 100 hours. So I'm literally 13% into this game. Yeah. And a lot of people will be there now. If you, Particularly if you're a Persona 5 fan, get ready to be scoffing at me and saying, <laughs> oh, it doesn't count, it doesn't count. If I, Because I'm going to... The problem, the problems I have with Persona 5... So this is the thing we've talked about. Cool. We've talked yep. about like I think the things that work for it amazingly are that it's stylish, it sounds good, it looks great, and that was enough to get my interest. Because mm-hmm. big disclaimer, I really don't like JRPGs. The only JRPG I think I've ever finished are Pokemon games. Yeah, they sort of count. And my relationship with Pokemon games is I hate Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, I play them beginning to end. The whole time just going, attack, the best attack I've got, off it goes. But the, and, and I think this is what bring makes Persona better, is that it isn't just that. It's not just that all the time. It's not. That's, let's, a, that's a good part of the game. It is. It's a big chunk of the game. But you can make that better with the other parts of the game. So let's just stay with the combat in Persona 5. Persona 5 has a turn-based RPG system. And it's an interesting one because it's not not Pokemon. It's not I use Thunderbolt, you use Quicksand. Let's just back and forth to it. There are little tricks and clever little puzzle mechanics to it. So you can, if you hit an enemy with an attack they are weak to, mm-hmm. you get another go. Yeah. And you can also swap between your party members when you get your other go. Mm-hmm. So you can chain together essentially an unstoppable pattern that means the opponent never gets a land a blow. Yep. But it's at the cost of your magic usually. Yeah. Or your amnio. You have like a limited amount of ammunition on a gun that each of the characters has. Mm-hmm. Um, side note, I thought it was brilliant in a game where you're like using fire and like using like classic JRPG style yeah. magic yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. and then one of them is just gun. <laughs> Bring out your gun. Yeah. <laughs> just shoot them in the head. <laughs> um, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
until you know how to do it, and then it's every single fight. And you just, there's no reason not to take the most optimal route, except you can't just tell the game that. You can't just tell the game, take the most optimal route. You can tell the game to do something called rush mode, mm -hmm. which is where it just will automatically do attack, 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 until the enemy's dead, and then you will live with the consequences of having told it to do that. So your health yeah. will drop to whatever amount's appropriate. I think in the rush mode as well, it will automatically heal if someone has the ability to, and it's the right thing to do. It's, there's I a little think bit. I've of... ever used rush mode at all. This is right. This is the thing I think is interesting then because. It's, it told me there's rush mode. You can use yeah, rush mode yeah, against weak yeah. enemies. Don't worry about it. And I found out that using rush mode is a terrible idea because it will never <laughs> use the weakness strategy, no. which is obviously the best way to play the game and is obviously the thing you should do every single yeah. time. So it's given me an option to go, we get it. JRPGs are grindy and sometimes you just want to mash attack until it's done. Mm -hmm. Except doing that is a terrible idea and you shouldn't do that. But also... The thing that is frustrating about JRPGs is they love to interrupt themselves. So you'll you'll be traveling through an environment, you'll get into a fight, the mm -hmm. fight screen will come up, that'll take about 15 seconds of like, da -da -da, welcome, here's the villains, here's you, right, here's your menu, go. You do the fighting, mm -hmm. fair enough. I don't find turn-based strategy that exciting, particularly in this game where it's like, there is literally an optimal strategy. We've remembered and told you. Use fire, use wind, you're done. Yeah. So there's no gameplay anymore now. Now I'm just navigating menus until I'm doing the right thing. Okay. And then at the end of every single fight, without exception, even if I've told it to rush, there is a 30-second breakdown of me getting 240 yen, yeah. 13 experience. That is jazzy. You get maybe an item, there's a little animation. Yeah. Especially if you've if you've wiped out the enemy perfectly, you get like a oh, little splash yeah. screen. If you do the um, or if you can all knock if you can knock down all enemies, so yeah. when you hit them with a weakness, they get knocked down. If you hit, if you knock down all enemies, then you can do an all out attack with the whole team. With the whole team getting in on it, and then it does a nice little yeah. animation at the end with whoever you did, whoever you used to do that all out attack, they get a little and it's little cool, animation and it's stylish and it looks great and it sounds great yeah. and I've seen it twenty times <laughs> and I'm done with it. I'm done with it, and it's just it's so frustrating that there's clearly that clearly the rush mode exists because mm -hmm. they know. They know turn-based strategy games get boring. They know there comes a stage where you are wiping out enemies of a single hit. And yet, there is no button to skip the end of the match. Yeah, no. Like, it's... That's I'm... part of the take your time, though, Lewis. You just got to take no, your time. No, but there's taking my Enjoy time it. and there's wasting my time. <laughs> there's wasting it. And look, I'm under no illusions that probably it's to mask a loading screen. It's likely to... It, to be fair, right, so this game was developed on the PS3. So it wasn't... It was started in development in about 2011. Gosh, no, is it on the PS3? It's not on the PS3. It was. It was. I think it is mainly developed on the PS3. It's not because the PS2 was when Persona 4 came out, and then they announced Persona 5 way, way back. I think it was about 2011 they announced this game, and then it took so long for it to come out. I think it came out in 2016, 17. I'm convinced it also came out on the PS3. I don't think it I'm did, going but it check. was. It was developed. For the PS3, so this is potentially why they uh, had some some uh, masking of um, <laughs> potential loading screens. I have checked; it is on the PS3. Is it on the PS3? It actually launched on the PS3. It came out in 2016, and it launched on the PS3. Did it launch um, on the PS4 as well at the same time? Yeah. In 2016. In 2016. Wow. 
Well, it's accessible. That's for sure. Uh, you don't need to have a, pl- a PlayStation Four. I don't I'm think. Playing... I don't think Royal. Ca- Royal definitely didn't come out on the PS. No, no, no. Royal came out. Royal came out just for the PS4. This is the thing that's interesting about just as a little sidebar. Um, Persona Five is absolutely. I think for the for the series. It's the biggest game in the series. Oh, 100%. So it's bigger than all the Shimagami Tensei games. It's bigger yeah. than all the other Persona games. It's in Smash Brothers. You can it, play it was the first announced DLC fighter for Smash Bros. Ultimate. Was... It's only on the PlayStation. It's absolutely it's mad. And the spin-offs are on all the other platforms. You can get Persona yeah. 5 Strikers on yeah, everything yeah, yeah. else. There's Persona 5 Dancing in the Moonlight mm-hmm. or whatever. It's, that's on everything else. But Persona 5, for some weird reason, is on the PS3, the PS4, and nothing and else. That's it. That's it. Even though it's a PS3 game. <laughs> so it could obviously run on the Switch. Yeah. Even though it would be way better on the Switch. Because it would work on the Switch. I think it's a game that would work really, really well on the Switch. And, and, and on the go. It's a good mo- like a game just to... Pull out, have a little, have a little go on on the train. Yeah, I, I honestly think it would, it, it would make sense as a handheld game, yeah. and I know it makes sense as a handheld game because the other big entry in the series is Persona Four, mm-hmm. of which everyone says the best version is on the PlayStation Vita. Yeah. To the extent that people say buy a PlayStation Vita for Persona Four, that is enough reason to get it. I, I understand why, and it's because of this repetition. It's because if you're playing in a handheld burst, if you're sitting down mm-hmm. and you've got like 10, 20 minutes, you do a little fight, you have a little, you know, explore a little area, do some little turn-based combat, maybe you get some dialogue, maybe you improve a relationship with someone, you put it away, that's great. Yeah. That, I think, is the ideal way to play this game. See, right, so the, the one thing that you, you need to add to this as yeah. well is obviously the, the demons that you encounter... Oh, yes, this mechanic, You yeah. can essentially capture yes pokemon in yes. a similar but in a very different way to pokemon well kind of in that you have to persuade them to join you basically by by talking to them you you have to i can't remember yeah. what the, the the what they call it um you 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 basically you negotiate. negotiate you negotiate with them and there's like there is a way to do it properly i remember looking in the tutorials it's like if a demon is like standoffish they like jokey answers if a demon is gloomy they don't like chipper answers yeah and like you're supposed to but who i don't think anyone's i i didn't remember that i every single time i'm talking to a demon i'm just like probably that i just went with i think the little cat pops up in the top corner and goes oh better not be too jokey with this one (laughs) oh it looks a bit sad try not to try to cheer up that is not in persona 5 is that not no that's a persona 5 royal edition there you go so i think they must have realized that it was just it's just weird like there was no way of knowing this so they popped it in the top hand corner but now we're in a position where the game's going tell press the joke button all right now press the happy button but i still get it wrong because some of them, they seem jokey, and then you, you click on them, and it goes, oh, I didn't like that. And it's like, what? Why not? It seems like a joke. This is kind of my problem with it, though. Oh, I disagree. It's not, it's not a great mechanic. The idea that you can steal enemies' powers and use them, that is yeah. a good mechanic. Pokemon has proven that everyone loves that idea, and it means that fights are more interesting. When you encounter a new monster for the first time, yeah. there's a little part of you that goes, oh, maybe I can grab yeah. that persona and use it. Except the personas aren't that different. They generally have shared the same pool of spells. There's no, yes. there's nothing about grabbing a new persona. It should be said the way the persona system works is, is you you capture personas by persuading them. Yeah, and then you go into a menu and you select the persona that you would like the protagonist to mm-hmm. relate to. 
The protagonist yeah. doesn't turn into the persona. No. They don't like there's there's like one that's like a knight on a horse. Yep. It just means that like in the back of his head he's thinking about him or something. Yeah, so in the in the um when you're in the dungeons or in the palaces, the yeah. personas sort of form your your backup. Um they are like the thing that is casting magic for the most yes, part or yeah. doing heavy physical attacks. You as a character, all you can do is hit them with your melee weapon, yeah. or shoot them with your gun, or run away, or, run away. or, or block, or guard yourself. Um, that's the, basically the only thing that you yeah. can do. But you can channel your persona, which for the most part, the, the original personas that you have, uh, the, 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 the main cast of characters, the Phantom Thieves, the people that you recruit, their personas tend to be um, famous rebels whether from history or literature etc because you're supposed to be rebelling against the the you know everyday flow of just going oh that's that i'm just yeah there's a very strong um through line about justice and injustice yeah and and it takes you know rebellious action to break injustice which is an interesting cool thing but yes as you say and then the the personas that you find in dungeons for the most part they are they are things like demons but there's also a lot of creatures from from mythology that pop up in there yeah there's a kelpie i was glad to see the kelpie there's a kelpie later on you can just get thor um (laughs) like i mean this is this is sort of delving into spoilers depending upon you know how how in depth we want to go but you know there's different themed palaces and the palace the creatures that you find in the palace for the most part tend to fit within the theme of the palace yeah there's a big pyramid one so you're going to get lots of egyptian gods etc in there yeah um, so you ca- you can capture them or negotiate with them, and you can use them in battle straight away. Or, more usefully, you can go back to what's dubbed the Velvet Room, which yeah. is where you are in a, like a jail cell, and the weird old man behind a desk with his two children. <laughs> jail. He's just so cryptic. Jail wardens. Yeah. He's just so annoyingly Igor, cryptic. Igor. Uh, behind. He and, refuses to explain anything to you. It's mostly on the cat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the cat pretty much does the heavy lifting. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, the cat is that cat is crucial. Without that cat, would not know what's going on. But in a, you know, I like I like the relation to Pokemon. In Pokemon, yeah, you build up your friendship with a Pokemon. You you get them up a level. You nurture them, and then they evolve into a new creature that's more powerful with new moves. In this one, you put hoods on the two personas, put them in guillotines, and execute them to merge them into a new, more powerful persona which is a which i agree with you is a very cool mechanic because it incentivizes catching even weak enemies yes because because you can make the combinations later and you're like okay if i bank a load of these guys i can combine them up into a more powerful thing and then use that and they can carry across depending upon and this is where the confidants come in yeah depending upon your relationship with people in the real world who are assigned essentially a tarot card um name so you've yes, got yeah. um the faith persona the empress persona the sun yeah. etc um depending upon what their confidant is and your level with them will increase the power of the persona that you make from these fusions um so in a way you're you're building up your relationships to make your time in the dungeons better by ha- being able to use better more powerful personas while at the same time you're also leveling up 
the character you are playing as, yes. he needs to level up yeah. in order to use more powerful personas. So just to be clear, yes. the progression system inside of Persona is you need to capture personas, combine them into more powerful personas, mm -hmm. have a chat with people to improve the ability to make confidants so that make better personas, level up your character by grinding in dungeons. Uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, again, with the confidants, you can build your relationship with the confidants quicker by having a persona in your party that is of that confidant style. Zach, this is the most complicated thing it's any not... game has asked me to keep track of. So it, but when you get into the flow of it, you're, it's not complicated at all. I am not confident <laughs> I have ever got into the flow of persona. Because ultimately, at the end, at the end of all of this mad process, I pick the persona with the highest number... And then I hit attack. Oh, but this is the problem. You want to pick the one that has the... Be you want to look at their skills, so what they can do. You also want to look at what they're weak to and what types of attacks the personas against you are using. But you can't change persona mid-fight. You can. What? Uh, maybe this is a royal edition. You can... Yeah, you can change your persona. I did not find... Each again, turn, you can change your persona. I didn't know that. That might be a royal thing. I don't that know. I don't know if this I is missed. a royal thing. But Does it take a turn? Is it like in Pokemon when no, you swap you a Pokemon? you can just swap it. You can just do it? Yeah. All right, well, I did... Look, I feel vindicated I've played the game for 13 hours and I didn't know you could do that. To be fair... To make the point that I'm saying about this, which is this is the most complicated levelling up system <laughs> in any video game I've ever played, and yet I just still pressed attack. Like, it's there's so many layers of expectation yeah. of things you are supposed to keep track of, and I don't know how helpful it is to actually bother. See, I think... With with the with the rush mode and with just just attacking, it's very useful early game. Um, when especially when you're trying to get through one of these palaces, yeah. because you do need to conserve your SP. It's really hard to find items yes. to restore your SP. In particular, in the first main dungeon of the game, because after that, you will be taught how to make coffee, which yeah. will restore your SP. Yeah. So it's kind of like the game is going. We know the reason you can't beat the first dungeon in one go. Yes. is because we're deliberately not letting you get SP any other way. And they sort of don't want you to yeah. uh, to defeat the first gun dungeon in one go. So the idea is, after you've finished a day in the real world, you can go to your hideout with your, your pals yeah. and decide that you're going to go into the palace to try and clear the palace. You've got to... Essentially, each of the, palace, each of the palaces function as a heist. You have to figure out yes. your route to the, to the treasure at the end of the palace by clearing through it and finding a route in. Except. Except you sort of don't, I mean. No, 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 no. I think clear you the do. palace I and then you, you can do. just fast travel to the last sa uh, safe, safe This is the thing that's, this is again, this is a weird feature about Persona, is that you don't go into a dungeon and beat it like you would necessarily, again, the comparison point I have is Pokemon. So in Pokemon you would go into something like Mount Moon, mm -hmm. or you'd go into, uh, you know, uh, Victory Road. And you're going through a dungeon. And the idea is you've got to get from the start of the dungeon to the end of the dungeon without wiping out your team. And then when you get yeah. to the end, poker center, save the game, you're good. Persona's attitude is to go, welcome to the dungeon. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to fight through the dungeon for as long as you can. And then when you get weak, you go to a save room. You leave the dungeon. Yep. You go and do other things. And then you come back. Mm -hmm. And it's weird the first time it happens like the first yeah. time i'm playing persona 5 and it's basically going like you should just leave the dungeon and i'm like but i've made so much progress i've fought so many enemies what do you mean just leave the dungeon the game's like no you'll be all right don't worry you'll yeah. be fine you can go away and come back it is yeah it's a, it's a strange thing to and then when you get it you're like oh okay yeah. i don't have to worry about doing it all in one go except they also put a time limit 
Yes. Um, you have to do it in X many days. They're not literal days. They're like in-game days. In-game days, days yeah. So you should try and get as far as you can in the dungeon in a single go, but you yeah. shouldn't expect to finish the dungeon. No. But there's a time pressure. Yeah. But don't feel too much of the time pressure because if you run out of time, they'll rewind the days a bit and you can try again, but you will lose the progress you made. Mm-hmm. This is very stressful. <laughs> it is quite stressful. And I think this is... It, it sort of replicates, I suppose what the characters are feeling. It is quite a str- and And as you move through the dungeons, as you move through the palaces, you start off with weaker enemies, which are quite easy to get yes, rid of. Yes, yeah. And you move on, and you, uh, as you get into the end of the dungeon, there's some really tough, tough yeah. enemies there. So part of the process is going, right, I'm going to leave it for today, go out, and then I can co- take the treasure that I've collected, because you can steal yes, treasure as yeah. you're going along, take that to this airsoft shop and sell it all, to this creepy guy who's, yes. who's a bit sus, um, sell all the stuff to him and buy better weapons and guns yeah. and come back fully refreshed, all your SPs back, health is back, new weapons that do more damage, guns that do do more damage and potentially new armour, etc. You can take, this, again, a weird mechanic, you take armour that you find in the dungeon to the, to the laundromat to the and just wash it and then you can use it. I, I have got some armour that needs washing, but I haven't taken it to the laundromat yet. And we'll get on to why later. Well, yeah. Which is, right. This is the thing. Is this, is, this is so complicated. This is so complicated for what is basically... We've described it as a dungeon-crawling JRPG, which, you like, usually they're complicated because there's, like, stats to keep track of. And Persona 5 has stats to keep track yeah, of. Yeah, they're a bit redundant, you've got to, to, you've got, for the most part, the you, stats. You've got to keep an eye on your Personas. You've got to keep an eye on the weaknesses and the strengths yeah. that they have. You know, they, they'll have defense and attack and speed and all of these things. You've got a party of four. You can control the Personas of one. The rest of the party... Have fixed personas. Have fixed personas, yeah. and you're stuck with those personas for the whole game. So there's a little part of me that goes, okay, they're not going to... It's, I can't fuck this up too much. Yeah. Because they, they put some guardrails in which are like, these three personas will basically keep you safe for the whole game. Yes. Don't worry too much about it. So I've got to keep track of all that. And then I've got to go into dungeons and get as far as I can, but not too far, and then come out and do the shopping in between Yeah. in a realistic Tokyo. Yeah. And a realistic Tokyo includes the fact that it is a rat maze and it is impossible to find the things you are trying to get to. And again, I'm, I'm, not, again, I'm not sure because I've not played the, the base Persona yeah, yeah, yeah. 5, but in Royal, you can just fast travel to any of those locations once you've been there once. Once you've been there once, you can, yes. And can for the that. most part, with the, with the things like the airsoft shop, etc., sh- they take you there in story the first yes, time you go yes, there. Yes, they do. So yeah. you can't not know how to get to that one because you've, you've, you've been there once so now you've got it on the fast travel list it, it, so if you want to jump straight there you can or it, you can just take a leisurely stroll around Tokyo it's get a, on a train it's a bit weird with the airsoft shop because you have to do a few story events before it turns up in the fast travel oh right but okay. it's, it's, been not, a, it's been a while since it, I've, it's, I've it's a nitpick played the start but it's also annoying to me because I like I said I started Persona 5 and then yeah. I left it played other games came back to it and a lot of this had gone. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you I'm need like, to commit some time. Where to this do I 5. sell things? And I'm looking through all of my options, going, "Well, they won't." But and then, like one night, I end up in a batting cage, and I'm oh, like, "Yeah, that's fun. That's fun." <laughs> Except Persona Five has a weird concept of time, which is, I did the batting cage, and then it went go to bed. Yeah. And I went, but I need to sell things before yeah, I go yeah, to the dungeon tomorrow, and it went tough. You went to the batting cage. There... No time to sell things. 
And just just a query: How far did you get story wise? Like, have you done? How many palaces have you done? I finished the first palace. Yeah. And I had started the investigation into. I know. I know who is going to be the second palace, as it were. I've got okay. to the stage where I figured out who the next target is for okay. the Phantom Thieves group. Yeah. So this is the thing. Again, thirteen hours. People can scoff and say I'm missing out on some of the deeper mechanics. I am terrified of the deeper mechanics. I am terrified of going further into this game. I'm really scared that Morgana, the talking cat, is going to stop talking and I won't know what to do. <laughs> no, so um, I think in terms of, to, to wrap up the combat stuff, um, I think when you're doing the first palace, the focus is on targeting weaknesses with attacks yeah and um, there's a lot of tutorial as well as a blocking tutorial yeah um, you can you can yeah. block etc it's not as important in the first palace it's really trying to make you focus on if you knock them down you get another go you can batten pass to another character which increases the attack of the damage of their attack and if you knock them all down you can do all, all that attack when you get into later palaces where some of the things that you're going up against don't have any weaknesses mm. and you have to try and inflict conditions, etc., you already have that basic knowledge of the weakness system yeah, from, the, again, from the start. I'm scared of this. So it's bringing, it's bringing you, you... You will get a hang of it. It's quite easy once you get going. I don't know if I will going. because there's so much to keep track of. It's so many things I have to keep in my mind while I'm playing this game. And again, I'm not... I, I just... So look, look. <laughs> I think it's fair to say I'm just not a fan of the combat. I don't think the combat's necessarily bad. I don't want to be like, you know... Mm -hmm. It's not broken or anything. And I imagine if you like this type of combat, Persona 5 is probably better than most. Because yeah. I don't particularly like this combat. And even I was like, this is still... Occasionally, I was like, this is still quite fun. There's, it does do something I love that most... That certainly Pokemon never did when I was a kid. It does do it now, but it doesn't. it didn't used to. Which is that the random encounters aren't actually random you can see the yeah. people on the map and they incorporate another fun mechanic with that which is that you can sneak up on them yeah. and cause an ambush which means you get the upper hand at the start of the fight yeah. there's a weird thing in this game where it's also trying to be a stealth game and it's clumsy <sighs> but kind of charming <laughs> it, it sort of works it's not stealth in in you know like an Assassin's Creed style stealth where you have to properly sneak around and if you get noticed everybody just jumps yeah. on you yeah it's the idea that if you do stealth up and and ambush a, a, a shadow as, yeah. they're, as they're called then you your team gets a full round of actions before they will yeah get, you get, get a you go get the upper hand, yeah. um and if where, they attack you yeah they open the combat by attacking you yeah and you, you, and you can be surrounded etc yeah. which means that they all get an attack on you um, uh, but also if they spot you that increases the awareness in the palace of the evil spirit yes so that if that gets to a certain level you get kicked out I think I don't know I never got it I, I never got up to 100 so I think it increases the um, I think as the security level goes up the awareness of the shadows go up so they yeah. spot you easier yes that's um, true which right. means that you're more likely to be surrounded by them and get a, get all of them get an attack before you get an attack so the idea is to try and keep the security level fairly low so that it's easier to sneak up on them and keep the security level low. But you can use items, etc., to reduce the security level if you want to. Like that, That's available. But you, again, this is, this have to spend big... precious time. And again, this is another meter and another thing yeah. I have to remember when I'm doing the game. <laughs> and like it, uh, it's just so... And this is the thing. I, I kind of liked that mechanic. Because you're normally in a JRPG, movement between areas is purely functional. 
Normally, movement between areas in a JRPG hmm. is like you press forward, they go forward, we're done. Like Pokemon in particular, again, it's the one I relate to because it's the most JRPG game I've played. There's the, like you, you're basically navigating a maze. Yeah. Every single location you go to, and here you are navigating a maze, and you have to be aware of where the enemies are, sneak up on them, stealth. Yes. There's a weird climbing mechanic that's not really a climbing mechanic. It's using the grappling. It's like you go near things and you can press X and then you'll oh, jump yeah, on top yeah, of them. Yeah, some things you can get up onto. But like not consistently the same things necessarily. No. You, ha- you can press a button and it will be like, you I can jump on I think it's the that. trigger that you, you hold and then you jump up on yeah. to some stuff. And again, it's weird. Like For I'm, the most part, it's you can also, if you hold down one trigger, you, get, you do sort of phantom sense, which yes, is a bit yeah. like your sort of... Batman Arkham yeah, being able to see the outlines that of thing enemies. in Assassin's Creed as yeah well, eagle vision eagle the, vision that so that, that will show where you can jump up on things it will show where treasure is you, what treasure can be stolen and it will also outline the shadows in a certain colour and depending upon the colour it shows how difficult the shadows are to attack um, green being like these you can just wipe out with an attack yeah you can rush these uh, and... red stay away <laughs> unless you are fully healed and have lots of SP yeah or, or it's necessary to finish yeah. fighting um, but from I, I think the, I, I mean it's fairly well balanced I would say the, the combat it's yes it can get a bit repetitive um, but as you it's... get the safe rooms and can just jump into you don't have to traipse through the whole palace again every time that is true you can just jump to where you got to so you're always making progress which is also also good in these dungeon sort of crawly games you never feel like you're having to repeat the same section over and over and over again i think the problem i have with persona 5's combat and i'm sure as i get further into the game this will either change in one direction or the other Mm -hmm. but it is simultaneously incredibly simple and the most complicated thing i've ever witnessed in a jrpg yeah it's as hard as you really want it to be i suppose you can just go for the easy route on it or you can do more complex stuff that will potentially save you sp which means you can get through the the, more of the dungeon more of the dungeon in one go um i never i never felt like during my playtime i definitely had fights that went south badly yeah oh yeah like this is the thing it's like in something in in other games where like you you in Persona Five you can dominate a fight and never get hit, mm-hmm. or you can press the wrong button and you will lose that fight. Yeah, because the tough. like if the enemy gets if the enemy never lands an attack on you, you'll be like that was easy. Some enemies, if they get one attack on you, your party members down instantly. Like yeah. there's, there's, it, it's incredibly dangerous. Well, this is where the mechanic of the the weaknesses and the, the the one more mechanic where if you get down someone you get another go yeah that works for the enemy as well yes it does so if they down you then they get another attack and so that's something to it's also looking at what are their strengths and what are the weaknesses especially of your party members yeah because they have the same weaknesses throughout the game yeah as you progress through you gain more party members so you can swap out so you have okay. different and they have different types of magic, basically, that they use. So you start off with one who's really good at electric, fire, wind, and yeah, that wind yeah. one also has healing. So then later on, you get somebody who has ice, and somebody who has psychic, and somebody who has okay, um, nuclear-type attacks. So you do get different party members. Unless you upgrade a confidant to a certain level, you can't switch them out in-game, in, in a battle. You have mm. to set who you want your party members to be, 
but it also means that the backup party members don't lose health or SP as you're moving through if they're not being used. Oh, and then you can swap them so out. So then for you a can refresh up okay. your your, um, your team as you're moving through. So I would say the first first dungeon is probably the most difficult dungeon because you have just four of you. Okay. You're learning the the, the combat. Um, later on, some of the encounters can be really tough, but you're more at ease just moving through one of the palaces. So this is the thing. I think we've talked extensively about the combat. Yes. Which is the thing I was most negative about with Persona 5, because I feel like it was it, it was not the genre I liked. Mm-hmm. And rather than it being clever or subversive in a genre I didn't like, it doubled down hard on it. And yeah. I, I, I think I think if you are a JRPG fan, Persona 5 is like one of the best of its type. I can imagine mm-hmm. if you love this kind of combat, you're going to have a whale of a time. The other thing about Persona 5 that is the biggest deal for it, which is, is sort of the other side of the gameplay coin, yeah. is the story and the social sim side of it. Yeah. Now, the story of Persona 5, we've kind of touched on it a bit at the start. Mm-hmm. It's dense. There's a lot of it. And a lot of it is, there's there's two sides of it, one of which is the day-to-day life of high schoolers, and the other side of it is this weird metaverse, here's a shit ton of rules about demons and personas and occupied mm-hmm. metaverse. And some of it's really good. So the stuff, the, the initial storyline for the first temple, the first dungeon. Yeah, palace. The first palace, that's the word, palace. Is that there is a high school teacher who is being abusive to their students. Yeah. And it's when it, it it sneaks up on you, mm-hmm. it's, it's not necessarily brought out, but it's immediately quite dark. Oh, it's yeah, it's very dark. And like, there's an escalation during the plot that makes it even darker. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I'm going, okay, wow, this game is not. I thought this game was going to be your typical Japanese melodrama high school. Oh, uh, when yeah. will senpai notice me? Oh, I just want to be the best. I've got pressure from my family, etc. And it does have those things. It's just also very mature, and it's very it's very honest about the experience of being a teenager, not in the sense of being a teenager, like, oh, I'm coming of age, oh, my body's changing. But the experience of being a teenager of, like, wow, adults are abusive and awful, and this world is corrupt and dreadful. It's, it's like that moment where you realise that your parents don't know everything, and that yeah. the government isn't always out to help you. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it deals with quite serious topics, quite well very very maturely i think it hints towards stuff rather than necessarily outwardly just showing everything so for example with this abusive teacher yeah you see hints towards what he's doing in the palace so the way that he yes. views because the idea of the palace is how they view a place so the yeah. school in his mind has become a castle and he is king of the castle and then the people that are in the castle are his subjects and he subjects them to pretty awful stuff and you see that in um a sort of uh over exaggerated sense in yes there's a hyper literalism yes yeah yeah so you get a sense of what he's doing without it ever having to show that Um, well they do kind of show it i mean they they show the effects of it well if you go into the palace there's a sequence in which we find out he he's a he's a um a pe gym teacher yeah uh former olympic got a medal winner um so he's he's sort of um the school are really proud to have him because of the reputation Mm -hmm. he has of being the olympic teacher 
Um, and the way he maintains his reputation is by abusing the... Is it a volleyball team? Yeah, so, so he was an Olympic volleyball champion. Olympic, of all the sports as well, I know. volleyball. I know. Um, and he, like, physically abuses the volleyball students. And yeah. in the palace, you can see sequences in which they're being literally tortured, like, beaten yeah, 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 and yeah. hit and things. And apparently, like, the scale of what's going on in the real world isn't far off this yeah. literal exaggeration. Um, and that's very... It's very interesting. It's sort of a weird thing where they use that to prove to themselves what's going on, which is, like, a bit weird. They do, they do, but then they also do... Once they see that in the palace, they do an investigation do around it, the school yeah. and try to talk to the volleyball team, but the volleyball team are all too scared of him yeah. to actually come out and, and <laughs> say it, um, <laughs> except for one of them who finally does, yes, you know, yeah. confirm it, and then he's threatened by... The, by, the uh, by the teacher um yeah and the thing it's sort of the, the, just that little thing reminded me of when i used to play phoenix right and it was like well i know what's happened because i've contacted the spirit world but that doesn't hold up in court no so well and this is this is the part of the story is that they are you know they have that feeling of of helplessness for the most part initially yeah that like oh my god we're gonna get expelled this guy's already got a criminal record. What What is going to yeah. happen to all of that? And then the opportunity arises where the cat pops up and says, well, and if you do this... Up. It's such a strange... Yeah, the cat's weird, but fun. Um, it's, it, right. But, but I, right, I really want to get into the cat, but I can't yet because there's one more element of this story, which is one of the biggest problems I have with Persona 5. Ooh, oh, okay. I'm intrigued. One of the major parts of this story is that he's not just abusing his students to get successful results. Yeah. He is also sexually harassing his students. Yeah. Including one of the characters who joins your party. who is was a character called Anne. Yes. Now, this, when this happened in the game, I thought was really interesting because initially you're introduced to Anne and there are rumours around the school that Anne is in a relationship with this teacher. Yeah. And you sit down with her and she, for some reason, I can't remember the exact reason, but you end up in a like a diner with her and she breaks down and explains that the teacher has been harassing her. She doesn't want to be in a relationship with him and that she sort of hates the fact that everyone assumes that of her. And basically mm -hmm. she goes... I have been sexualized by everyone around me and nobody wants to listen to me. Yeah. And it's and, and I was really taken aback by it because I was like, this is really interesting. And I really think this is a... I've never seen this, in, particularly in Japanese media, mm -hmm. that a character has gone, I am a high school student, stop sexualizing me. <laughs> I know what your critique is going to be. And it's, it's a very valid critique. <laughs> and the problem with this yep. is that even though Anne has a very heartfelt and I think very well written and delivered speech about this and I was really on mm -hmm. board and I was like this is subversive this is a game that's led me into thinking oh sexy high school student and it's gone no stop it sexy high school student is a damaging and an unhealthy thing and it's made this poor teenage girl's life a hell and then the game sticks her in a red cat suit yeah I, yeah, I, I was very bewildered by that move as well and and it's not just like and I kind of get that maybe they were going for this idea of look ev everyone in the Shadow Realm is a bit sexy like that's kind of the thing you play as Joker his character's yeah. dressed a bit sexy and like your friend turns up and he's a bit of a bruiser and they sort of make him a bit more like rough and tough and she's turned up in this and it's meant to be like a metaverse reflection and she's like a panther and a rebel I th and think it's uh, I feel like it's something it's supposed to be something to do with the personas as well yeah so um, Ryuji, who's the the first character that you sort of recruit, his yeah. persona is Captain Kid, so his yeah. outfit is got like a skull 
So yeah, it's like yeah, this sort of like a bruiser pirate. Yeah, so sort of it's, thing, and, it's cool. and it's sort of supposed to reflect how other people see you, I think. And he's supposed to be this like everybody's warning you, don't go near him. He's trouble. He's just going to get you into trouble. So when he appears in the in the uh, the metaverse, yeah, he, he's sort of like a biker pirate. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I suppose that's what they were going for with Anne in terms of everybody hypersexualizes her. So then, and her her persona is Carmen, I think. Yes, it is Carmen. Um, and so I suppose it's supposed to represent that. I think they missed the mark entirely. But it gets worse than that. Yeah. Because the thing with Anne is as well, initially that happens, and even she's taken aback by it. She's a bit like, really? I'm in this? This seems a bit much? And the games are like, well, it's based on how people perceive you, the metaverse. Yeah, 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 yeah. The first dungeon also has a clone version of her, which is how the, the abusive teacher views her, yeah. which sticks her in a bikini and makes her a giggly bimbo. Yeah. And... Again, I'm like, this is weird and like unsettling, but I kind of again, the, the there's it's a plot of, reason. Yeah. There's a sort of it sort of makes sense, and she's horrified by the perception of it. And it makes her angry, and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, we're developing this sort of idea of it. And then there's a bit where you basically fight his dick. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. This this game is graphic in a lot. There's there's a demon later on, which is just penis on wheels like it's just and like again i'm kind of like okay literal hyper literalism this is what we're going for his sexual desire is part of his corruption see this is a big difference as well though because i think the boss fights are all different between the two games so i don't know what happens in the persona 5 boss fights they might be slightly different in the persona Five royal. Boss I don't fights? know. I don't. It certainly wasn't the final boss fight. The perception right, of him. Okay. It's sort of a weird blob monster, which has a very suspicious-looking head. Oh, uh, I don't know that that's him. It's meant to be his sort of because there's the big one of him it, on the toilet, isn't there? The, the, near the end, is that him? Oh no, him near the end in the version I played is he's like, um, gosh, what is weird, he? Like, oh, he's, he's like he's like thing yeah, and he drinks like, from a goblet. And he's got a knife. Women, yeah, yeah. And... That's him as a boss. But before that, there's like his right. suppressed desire, yeah, yeah, his suppressed yeah. sexual desire. But um, it's not even suppressed. It just is his sexual design. Oh, yeah. So again, the whole way the whole way through this dungeon, I'm going like, look, it's creepy and it's weird, but it kind of makes sense in the story context. And look, they did that thing earlier, and Anne's character is constantly reacting negatively to all this. She's constantly talking about how she doesn't like this and the way she's perceived. So fair enough. You know, the lines are getting blurry and grey, but fine. Except that dungeon ends. Morgana the cat. Now Morgana the cat. Oh, is I have a love-hate relationship with this cat. Morgana the cat is a weird little talking cat that turns up out of nowhere and explains how the Persona <laughs> metaverse works. Yeah. Um, she is determined that she was at least at some he, point he, a human. He. No. Morgana is a he. No. Yeah. No, I'm going to... Maybe this happens later in the game, but this is something that came up with Morgana that's even more interesting and weird. First of all, Morgana is definitely voiced by a woman. 100 percent voice by. I got this very confused as well. I thought that that they were they identified as a woman early on as well. But then I think there's a bit. There is a bit where they everybody else refers to Morgana as he, except there's a conversation where they go, "Is Morgana a he?" Yeah, and then Morgana goes, "I think I'm a he." <laughs> well, this is it because Morgana is a cat. Who doesn't know doesn't if know they used they to be a human? Yeah. They think they used to be a human. They're yeah. very in- interested and obsessed with human desire. Um, so maybe Morgana is a he. Definitely voiced by a woman. Um, I think. I but think... I think they're trying to do like the Timmy Turner thing of you get a woman in to play a young boy, but then Morgana's not a young boy. Morgana is a cat. I mean, they explain what Morgana is at the end of the game. 
Yeah, I assumed they would. I assumed they, they would. Of course they do. Um, I think, yeah. But the crucial factor about Morgana that is relevant to this discussion is Morgana is obsessed with Anne. Obsessed with her. Absolutely obsessed with Anne. Has a massive crush on her. <laughs> yeah. This is initially very cute because they are a cat. Yeah. This stops being cute because it's not, it's not just that Morgana has a crush on Anne. It is that Morgana really wants to have sex with Anne. <laughs> it's not... It's not just cute. There, I, and this drove me. I, I was like, I, constantly trying to give this game the benefit of the doubt, particularly towards this character, because again, I was initially really taken aback with how like unusual it was for a Japanese game about a teenage schoolgirl to turn around and say, yeah. "Stop sexualizing a teenage schoolgirl." Mm-hmm. Except that there are dialogues that are just they're, they're throwaway dialogues. There's a there's a mechanic that turns up later in the game where there's basically an infinitely grindable dungeon. I don't want to get too much into it because it's yeah, it's a bit boring. It's basically a way to level up characters. Yes. Um, and there's little throwaway bits of dialogue that they do in the dungeon. And one of them is that basically Anne mentions that her cat suit is now a bit too tight. And oh, she God. worries that her boobs have gotten bigger since she was last in the cat suit. And Morgana immediately pervs on this straight away. I, I think I completely missed this. Yeah, there's a section... That, that during... Is this just, just while they're talking as they're moving through yeah, the dungeon? Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not like... This is the thing that annoyed me about it. Is it's not like a story moment. It's not like something that is like an unavoidable thing that happens in the story. It's a casual throwaway bit of dialogue done for a bit of fun. And the joke is supposed to be, ha ha, uh, Morgana wants to have sex with a teenage girl. Um, but yeah. <laughs> also... This is going to take way too long to explain, but during the sequence, Morgana is a bus. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And they're all sat inside of Morgana as a bus. And at one point, Morgana says, I can feel Anne's like, bum on me and I like it. And I'm like, oh, I uh, hate this. Yeah, the, the, that is probably the cringiest part. Oh, I, I like, hate it and, and it's just this weird disconnect because I'm like no 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 you were doing really well yeah. about this theme and then and either, then you're chucking this cat but it's like you, you're throwing it away you're throwing away the credibility you yeah. gave yourselves yeah. and like the, the you know you gave yourselves a bit of like buffer to like have sexualized elements of the character that make sense in the plot but also tell the audience you know you're wrong for for wanting to like sexualize the character uh-huh. And it was really an interesting breakdown of like a, a very strong cultural trope. And then they just, and then, oh, the story's over. Like, oh, oh, she's hot, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Morgana the Cat is, and, and, and you're, you're bang on. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is a very weird part of the story. Um, I do think that they go into, as you build the levels with the, with the confidants outside mm. of, um, the the palaces. Um, I think that's where you get a lot more of their personal stories, especially as you get to the end of the. You you can level them up to like rank ten. Yeah. And once you get to rank ten, you have fully formed a bond with them. Is the yeah, the idea? Yeah. And if they are a character that's one of your party members, their persona like evolves into a better persona um, at that point. Yeah. Um, and they have some excellent stories and Anne is one of the ones that has a really really good story yeah another character that you get down the line Makoto um is, I think I have met that character you meet Makoto they're not on side yet as it were no um but when they become like a party member again their their persona is really good uh, and it's a real critique of um the the need to be overachieving in in japan yes and um actually sort of focusing on is this 
undermining this this poor girl. Yeah. She's being pushed around by everyone because they keep threatening her with um, college and oh, I need to write you a recommendation yes. letter for yeah, college. Yeah, I saw that happen. In and the, yeah. she's just becoming a tool for other people to use. And, and like, brilliant. Like, it's, it's sort of... It's sort of um, I don't know what the proper phrase for it, but it's satirical, but not necessarily humorous. It's yeah. like it's a legitimate critique of things going on in in the culture of Japan and also obviously outside of Japan. Yeah. In a lot of ways, there's elements of Persona Five that are sort of like capturing the spirit of the of what what would go on to become the Me Too movement before then. There's mm-hmm. sort of this idea of actually quite a lot of what's going on in Persona Five is that grown ups are not talking about the abusive things that are going yeah. on. And the only the, the game solution to expose them is supernatural thieves. Yeah. Um, the game opens as well with a particularly impressive sequence in which you are like breaking into a casino. Yeah. And you are one hundred percent sold on how cool it is that they are thieves. Yeah. And it's very very fun. And then you get like the game's done in a sort of flashback situation where you're being interrogated, being interrogated. about the thing that's happened. Um, so it's it's like. I'm I'm on board with the story elements. I'm interested to see where it goes. I think it's completely toned up what they've done with Anne, and I'm really disappointed oh, in them. For yeah, that. that that is definitely the worst part of the story in terms of you know being tone deaf. Yeah, I think they hit with the other female characters specifically. They hit some really good notes. One of the last members that you get, which is disappointing because you're sort of near the end of the game by yeah. the time you get her, um, is being threatened with a forced engagement. And yeah. the the aim of that part is actually to change the heart of someone to stop this happening, basically, yeah. um, because they're going to force a marriage. And I think that's, re- again, really, really well done. And stuff is not at all. <laughs> um, in comparison with, and they're doing some great stuff um, with Shiho, who is Anne's friend. Yes, who is, yeah. And and it's like, how are you getting these so, like? This is the thing. It feels it feels like there's maybe a few writers on the team, yeah. and one of them's come in with this very strong agenda of what they want the game to be about. Yeah. And for the most part, they're succeeding. For the most part, they're basically going like there is a silent like it, op- it, the the opening plot point of the game is that your character intervened on an assault, mm-hmm. and they were the one that got put on probation and went to went to prison. Yeah. And it's just immediately just basically going the system is unjust and, co- and corrupt. Yeah. And there's a fascinating thing. Like I say, I've only finished the first temple. The first dungeon, but basically at the end of the first dungeon, the crimes come out as to what has been going on yeah. and, and things sort of like take a turn. Except the thing that the grown-ups are all concerned about isn't the welfare of the students. It's the fallout no. of the reputation of the yeah. school. It's the fallout of the idea that they're going to have to like find out who, who like why did this happen? Yeah, who's who's been these these phantom thieves? Yeah, yeah. Is it real? Are these supernatural things going on? Actually, actually, a thing. How do we stop it? How do we find what's going on? There's like there's very few of the characters who aren't the children, who aren't the students of the school. Go, how on earth did this abuse yeah. go on for so long uninterrupted? It's genuinely quite sad in a way. And, um, an interesting uh, addition to that is the the fan site. So yes, um, yeah, the character the, the actually the character that you go to on the volleyball team who sort of is the first whistleblower against Kamoshida, um, the abusive teacher, um, he afterwards is like, oh, these phantom thieves have done such a great thing. Um, I would have been expelled and, you know, subject to further abuse. Yeah. Um, I'm going to set up this website, the fan site, spelled with a PH because it's funny, um, <laughs> like Phantom, fan site, 
uh, and it has a little um, sort of opinion poll. Yes, um, do it, you think they're real? Yeah, do you think they're real? And this this changes during the game, which is really which is really cool. Where it starts to and and again, I don't want to spoil too much, just in case mm. you do decide to carry on and play through the rest of the game. Um, but there, it raises they raise questions uh, amongst themselves as well as to mm. is what they're doing real justice? Are they right? Ri- uh, is this right? Are they actually, you know? changing these people or are they just altering them to become a different version of themselves is have they any right to go into people's conscious and change their their consciousness essentially and their their idea of morality um even if that's got a net positive uh, and that's where like the poll changes to are the phantom thieves just rather than just oh i see um are, are they real as people go yeah they're real are they doing the right thing and it's interesting to see little comments pop up and say like some people positive negative and that yes, whole yeah. you know how are they presented in the media when we we know they're you know up to seven kids just jumping into a supernatural <laughs> palace and changing their mind but the media has no idea how they're doing these things or or why and and again there's the fixation on their actions as opposed to the actions of the people that they're changing. Yeah. Like, again, I, I don't know the future ones. Maybe it's the case that it's different with other ones. But certainly the, the overwhelming thing I got from completing the first palace and the consequences of that was that everyone was horrified that people had found out, not that it had happened. Yeah. And it's and it's sort of this very... Um, it's, it, it, it captures a particular zeitgeist that even though it came out in 2016, it's still quite persistent. Mm-hmm. Where people now are like furious with people coming forward saying that they've done things uh, without considering the actual con- the actual action that's taken place. They'll say, "Oh, you've done it wrong. You've 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 told the press about it wrong, or you've uh, you know uh, you've accused somebody in a situation where you can't necessarily prove it, and so therefore we think that you have bad intentions and stuff." And this game is sort of basically presents the supernatural like thought experiment of what if you could just make people confess. The yeah. thing they've been doing wrong, like you know, not not in a situation where you're a, 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 an accuser who has to prove something. You literally have the power, and admittedly, it takes a lot yeah. of boring JRPG combat to get there. But you can and, make people actually confess their sins. And I think the first few palaces really stick to this. Yeah. Um, and they are bad people, and we have to go in and change their minds for the good of society. And there's a re- the, but the most there's one palace which is the most interesting just story wise yeah. where somebody asks you to go into their palace. Wow! So sort of like a an extreme version of therapy. They are like, <laughs> I need, I am bad. I have done awful things. You need to come into my palace and steal or or, or do what you need to do. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, yeah. I want you to change my heart. And that's where it is, re- it is really cool. I don't want to spoil yeah, it. Yeah, no, don't spoil that. Um, that sounds fascinating. But it's, it's really, really interesting. And uh, all, all the way through, they continue to tackle fairly hard-hitting um, topics, uh, I think. Yeah. Um, most of the time, it does re- revolve around you know some form of um, abuse. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, I think it's well presented um, for the most part. So this is the thing. I think I obviously haven't finished Story of Persona Five, so I can't judge it as a whole. The section I played, I thought was like fascinating and 
One of the things I really admire about it, which is just such a stupid thing, I just like the fact that they have teenagers that actually swear yeah. and talk like teenagers do. Like, they're not, they're not, you know, this is, I don't, gosh, I don't know what its rating is. I imagine it's a fairly mature rating because the themes get pretty hard. I think it's a 15 or 16? Yeah, I, I, I think know. a 15 I would the... make, I think if this was a film, it'd probably be a 15, just because the themes yeah. get pretty dark. It's not a gory game necessarily, but it's it's certainly a, a bleak one. Oh, one thing just um, to add before I, I can feel a wrap up. Yeah, coming. yeah. Well, one thing to add is you do, alongside confidence, you have skills um, as a character, and the way that you level up some of them is brilliant. Um, especially bit, guts, well, this, where you just go and eat a big burger. <laughs> so this is crazy. actually, yeah, no, you, you, you've pulled me away from the wrap-up a little bit there, because you're right. This is another mechanic in the game that I'm not a You're not sold on. Oh, I like the skills. So the thing, the way the game works, is that every day you can go and choose to do something. Yeah. And it's either like you can go and choose to study, you can go and choose to watch a film, you eat a burger. Yeah. All of these things are options on a menu. They're not things they're not things you actually do is it um, they just sort of yeah you you go to a place in the game uh, for the most part some of them you do do the batting cages you do yeah um, it's a pretty lame little a, mini a game little it's mini all right game. um there's i don't know if it's in persona 5 but in persona 5 royal they have a fishing mini game which also increases know, your yeah. um proficiency um but yeah you have to you you have five main skills knowledge um proficiency guts charm and kindness which is an interesting skill and I think kindness can be a skill yeah, yeah and you have to build up I, i've seen a brilliant meme about about this but I, I'll, I'll, I'll reference it in a moment but you have to build up these skills and by doing so is some of the time there is a a, a block essentially to con, con, continuing to build your relationship with confidence yeah. you have to have a certain level of skill in one of these yes, areas yeah. um the the funny one is is um after the first dungeon you have to have a think at least a kindness too mm. um to to be able to interact with Arn and and create uh, continue to to build that relationship um and the meme i saw was just you do not have enough kindness to to help Arn yet and somebody just captioned it i just don't care enough <laughs> <laughs> even though she's been stalked yeah, yeah she, um, it's been awful i just don't okay. care i need to learn how to care more <laughs> another one is you increase your charm by going to a bathhouse yeah, yeah. <laughs> i really don't understand that one um the thing i don't like about it is that it just it it it's so difficult to understand within the game's own rules what is going to pass time what isn't going to pass time and also there's like the problem i had with it was there's a section in between a section after the first dungeon where like an exam's coming up yeah, and I go okay. I need to go and study oh, and knowledge. Exams, yeah. I need to go and get my knowledge improved so that I can do the exam well. Except the game would not stop firing story things at me, meaning I was losing every single day. But one day I got a chance to do something. I accidentally passed the time by making a lockpick. No. Like this is this is the problem <laughs> with it. Even worse is that I made one lockpick and it went. Well, you got enough time to make another one. And I went, oh, uh, well, no. Then I'll go study. No, end of the day. Yeah. You should have made a second lockpick. I'm like, why? Why was that an option? Why was the option stop making lockpicks? <laughs> um, I should just make lockpicks continuously. If I if I can make two lockpicks, just and make I have two. The, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, but it's frustrating because I feel like I feel like I'm constantly missing the optimal path, and I feel like there is an optimal path. There is. I've I've seen online a, a, a very detailed walkthrough in what to do to build your, all your confident relationships to level ten, yeah. get all your skills up. I would argue. 
that there there should be no optimal path. I and, agree. And that really, in a game like this, I've I've finished it. I didn't max out. I maxed out about three confidants. Yeah. And that was my experience, and that was my story, so, and my version of the game. And I think you know, there's there's a good ten confidants, and trying to get them all to like level ten, you ha- you would have to be the most efficient in terms is- of playing it. I think the idea is don't worry too much and just build the relationships with the people you want to build right? Does, and do the things you want to do. Does the game have alternative endings based on how you level up confidence? Um, not really, I don't not think really. so. Not really, okay. Because I, I spent the whole game worried being it was sort of like Mass Effect. That it was going to be like, if I don't build up particular relationships, we'll get to a suicide yeah. mission at the end and certain confidence no. won't make oh, it. Oh, no, no, and... no, no. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything like that. You can build a relationship, I think, with one... One of the, it's, it's um, yeah, very heteronormative, but you can build, uh, you can have a relationship, weirdly, with any one of the female confidants that, yeah. you, uh, that you meet, um, which is very weird for one specific reason. I think I know which one it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because I ended up finding, because I was browsing the, the anime on all four, and then I found out what one of the twists of one of the characters was. Yes. And I was like, this is really backing my case that the game is, like, wanting to discuss... Yeah. The um, like uh, yeah. sexual politics of Japan and critique them, but also really kind of enjoys sexualizing women <laughs> it, with little thought. Yeah, again, I won't spoil it because for anybody who it wants looks to like play a funny the game, twist. it's, 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 it's a funny music. twist. But yeah. it does again. If you build the relationship with that confidant, you find out more about why she's having to do yeah. certain things, and um, I think that again is really interesting. But on first glance, it it does appear very <laughs> tasteless and like weird, <laughs> really, really, really weird. Um, but again, maybe it's not so weird if you under, if you are from a Japanese culture that understands potentially, that. Potentially, yeah, yeah. And I do feel like there is a little bit of that alienation from me that actually uh, that there is an element of like Persona Five is, as I've said, I think being quite subversive about the anime tropes yes. it initially invokes but I am not well versed in those tropes no. so I'm not necessarily aware of the subversion and I think there is an element to it somebody's pointed out with the exams etc um, some of it is just lost in translation as to yeah. what you would just know and what you wouldn't know And oh yeah there's stuff about Japanese folklore there's some bits that you do pick up in the lessons that happen and if you remember the lessons from yes, like a yeah. month ago in game then you'll be able to answer the question um, it does have a cool online feature with some of the yeah, regular the, lessons where you can see what other people have put. Yeah, the cheat button. Yeah, yeah. the cheat yeah. button. Um, with the exams, I think I just looked them all up because there was no way of knowing half of them. Um, I did. I, I generally with the exam. So some of them I did know. Some of them were like translate the German word Wunderkind, and I'm yeah. like, great, I know that. And again, that was covered in a lesson. But I think yeah. one of some of the questions just aren't, and you sort of have to guess. Well, like I said, there's one that's famously about a, uh, a Japanese folklore figure. Um, and they were like, this Japanese folklore figure is the invocation of which original phrase? And then it just lists the phrase, and I went, I've never... No, uh, no the, idea. Or what does this uh, Japanese kanji symbol mean? And you're like, what? How? <laughs> well, I'm not Japanese, I don't know. Um, I do like, though, it's a weird consistency, is that basically every single one of the lessons you have is about, like you essentially yes it's sort of like it's about prodigies it's about rebels it's about justice and it's yeah, sort of like this yeah, is yeah, yeah. like uh, and it yeah they, they all sort of relate to what's happening in terms of the palace that you're taking on yes yeah. and the characters that you're unlocking um and especially like their personas there's often questions coming up in class related to one of your character's personas um, and say ah oh, arsene was known as 
who and it, yes it, i forgot about that your persona it, is your, your initial persona is arsene yeah. who's like you can execute me now. I'll be back. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I, the problem I had with it was I feel I it, in most video games you can take your time and do what you like because you are in a sort of theoretical time lock. Like in Ghost of Tsushima, there is no time limit on oh, saving Tsushima. Yeah. There's no like sun goes down, sun comes up. Still the same day apparently. Yeah, you can just keep going and nothing yeah. really matters too much. Persona Five, time will run out. No, time the will, game will time end will eventually. Out. And there are points where it does jump forward a few days unexpectedly, which are probably the most annoying. It's not Fable Three levels of annoying. Where you're like, oh, I have 200 days left before the invasion. Go to sleep. It's the invasion now. <laughs> what? Um, it- Fable 3 is a fascinating game for me because <laughs> I, I, it's flawed as hell and very interesting. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, Persona 5. But in, in terms of Persona and its day-to-day system, I do like that there is a level of, yes, you can there, you could follow an online guide to do this the most efficiently. Um, or... You could just play it, go to the confidants that you want to spend time with and find out more about, mm. um, go to new areas that unlock, read books about places in Tokyo, and then they unlock for you to go to. Um, you can, you know, sometimes a person will be like, ah, oh, you could either spend the day people watching with me, or we could go somewhere. And then you can just pick somewhere on the map and go somewhere on the map with them and Depending upon where you go, it might build their relationship with you a bit quicker or they might not like it and it builds it slower. This is um, the thing. This is why I was kind of saying this is really more of a visual novel. Yeah. Because, because the game the gameplay of these sections is menu selection. You you pick different menu options and then based on your menu option picks, you build the... Like, yeah. you're just... You're basically just... It's a choose-your-own-adventure book. You're ultimately being funneled back into the same story. You sort of... The, the game yes. widens out. You pick a few different things. The game narrows back in. You do the temple. It's not like a true RPG in the sense of there is a, a multitude of different endings. There are a multitude of different endings, but all of them are if you fail along the way. Yeah. It will show you a different ending depending upon how far into the game you get before you failed. Did you did you ever play a game called um, Fahrenheit or Indigo Prophecy? No, I heard of them, but I've never played them. They have the most beautiful game over because it's because it's a heavy yeah. rain style game, but it has game over screens, right. so you can totally fail. And every single game over screen has an ending. Well, it's it's um it's it's absolutely hilarious because one of them is just the character is just overwhelmed with how like there is there is an ending in which you're playing as a police officer, and if she gets too tired, she just gives up. <laughs> yeah. I see. I love games that have those sort of um, fake endings. What's the the big one was Far Cry Four, oh, where just if you just st- stick around and wait for the food to arrive. He's like, let's go blow some stuff up. Yeah. You just get on a helicopter. Um, I think Neo Automata has a bit where if you go into the um, inventory screen, you can, yeah, yeah. you can remove her CPU and you just... That's an ending. There's, there's an ending in Neo Automata where she just eats a fish and dies. <laughs> so, so, there's just, there's just, a, there's just a, a woman who's just like, I want to find out what happens if you eat a mackerel. <laughs> and the robot's like, it's delicious. And then it fried my circuitry. Again, um, it's like... I, I never had one of the game over screens because I always did try to do the palaces in time. Yeah. Um, but... I think that they they do a little bit about what happens if you get to that point. It's kind of cute because you can just look it up. Yeah, and like there's, I think there's a certain element to Persona Five and certainly more modern video games where now the alternative ending thing is cute. Yeah, but we can just we you just go on YouTube. Well, and I suppose that sort of plays into this the the whole you know you build the relationships with the people you want to build them with. Some I didn't even know were confidants until 
like really late game where oh. they sort of went, hey, there's a, there's a confidant here. Uh, I was like, hang on, why can I never build up my son persona? I'm like, oh, that public speaker on the street is apparently a confidant. <laughs> and I just never went to work in, in the beef bowl place. Uh, that's never... where he goes. And then you yeah. talk to him. Um, but I do think, you know, confidants are brilliant. The way that they give you additional skills that feed into the gameplay yeah. is fab. There's some really good ones that you get later on. Okay. Um, again, it sort of builds to the ones that you get as you go up. One thing that you won't have got to that it, I'll quickly mention is the showtime moves, which you get between different members no. of your party. At some point, it will just come up as, oh, come on. Um, Panther, let's do this, and yeah. then you'll hit the big button on your PS4 controller, the middle one. The middle one. Oh, uh, all, uh, well, I'll raise it again in a second. You hit that, and then a little sequence plays where two of your team team up and do a special oh, so a move. Team yeah, oh, that's fun. but it's like specific to who they are. Um, so uh, the the best one at like um, Ryuji and I think Makoto are like in a wild west town and just walk up and he like smacks something with his big baseball bat and it just does a lot of damage um, but you need to you know build yes, up yeah, relationships yeah. to do that uh, another little fun thing doesn't doesn't affect how you'll feel about this game at all but if you're in Morgana in the truck and you stroke the touchpad she purrs I tried, purrs. I tried to do it it didn't work oh if you press it it goes meow because <laughs> it's like you're driving and you just you hit the horn hit the horn a side note about that Morgana turning into a bus is brilliant because she just goes apparently there is a collective idea that cats can turn into buses <laughs> yeah. and it's just like is there? <laughs> well, this is why the, the where the guns come from as well, because they're all just toy guns. Oh, but in the metaverse, they manifest. It's the hyper literalism. It's, it's what people, yeah. how people perceive them. So if you pull out a gun in the metaverse, and the monsters monsters perceive it as being a gun. Therefore, it functions as a gun, which I think they could have done more with. Like take toy versions of whatever you want. And there is an, yeah, there's an interesting idea about. This is the thing that's frustrating about Persona in some respects. Is that, that yeah, they, there's a there's a cool the the idea of the metaverse is, is if you are perceived in a certain way, yeah. then that becomes reality. Yes. Except they only really use that in order to like create a new aesthetic. Although the, the, they, it, it, there's no like puzzle element. They do do the, yeah. There there is again in later palaces right, where okay. you reach a roadblock in the palace where you can't pr um, go forward. Yeah. And it's because that person's palace, they regard this place as a place in reality which they view as secure. So you have to get into that place in reality. Make them feel insecure. Show that you're in there to them. Right. And then they will have the cognition that that place is now open and you can carry on in the That's in the kind palace. of in the first palace because this idea of you have to give them a calling card. Yeah, that's to make the treasure appear. You always have to do the calling card. Which is sort of this idea of basically... It basically is that idea of basically you, you, you make the person scared for their own security yeah and that exposes their ability which is a kind of a fun thing because it also means you can't do it in secret oh it no. means that at some point you have you to you have to make it known and also just just when you go into the palace for that final heist this is my favorite part yeah right? 
the the security level goes up to there's a really cool animation of the security level just ticking up to 100 yeah, yeah. alarms are going off it kicks in with the an amazing soundtrack yeah and you're just like rushing through and oh it's brilliant that's that's one of my favorite parts of the game is just that final the rush the heist bit and it is cool and it does feel like a heist and i feel yeah. like that's one of the most successful things about persona is i can't think of a heist game that is as successful at creating no. the excitement of a heist as persona yeah even though it's a turn-based jrpg yeah. even though it is largely a visual novel yeah the music and the presentation are so strong that i'm you're right i'm excited yeah. to get back in even though i know it's going to be more or less the same thing <laughs> yeah. i've been doing every single time yeah. i've gone to the palace so this is the wrap-up on persona 5 which is now one of the most difficult games for me to assess because I know it's probably going to get better. I've normally said on these things when I haven't finished a game, even if I haven't finished it, I get a very strong sense for what a game is about and whether or not I like it and whether or not I'm going to keep playing mm-hmm. So there have been strategy games that have turned up in the series that I haven't finished and I've gone, yeah, but it's not, it's not going to drastically change. Yeah. It's not going to finish. I think Persona 5 probably is going to keep getting better. I genuinely think so. I, think, I genuinely think the attachment I would have to the story would increase. Yes, I think the story gets as you as you get more members of your the Phantom Thieves as well and explore them. Mm. Um, as you explore even the ones that you've already recruited, Ryuji, I would highly recommend just keep working doing the confidant stuff with Ryuji because it's a really interesting story about why he's so aggressive and, yeah. and angry all the time. Um, there's the brilliant backstories to all of them, and I think. I suppose like the philosophy and psychology of their actions they try at one point to just go oh this whole thing there is a science behind it and then they just go there is science and they don't (laughs) explain any of it and I think that's the best thing they can do (laughs) never try to properly explain it just go this person was working on research about the metaverse what was that research we'll never tell I do feel like they could calm down with some of the explanation about the metaverse I'm kind of alright with it's just like it's a parallel world that reflects like human corruption that's fine that's all you needed to say it gets wild Um, I would I would carry on so this is the thing I came into this podcast with before before we sat down to record, I came in going, I I was ready to basically go, I don't think it is the best video game I've ever played because every time I was playing the combat, I wanted to get back to the story. And every time I was playing the story, I wanted to get back to the combat. And I felt like constantly I was always missing the other half of the game, but then the reality of the other half of the game would set in and I'd be like, oh, I'm just reading a lot of text boxes. Okay, fine, 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 fine. God, I could we get, the com- get back to the combat and I'm playing the combat going, okay, I'm just hitting things. God, I wish the story would pick back up. I'm, I'm, uh, it, was, you know, it was really interesting. Uh, but no, uh, and I feel like I'm kind, of, I'm kind of trapped with the fact that maybe the reason I'm not as big on Persona 5 as I should be is because I don't have the life to give it. I, I don't from the like, sounds of it, I Lewis, don't like, it sounds like you're not playing it in the best way for you. I, I would ju- keep go into the palace for a bit, jump out, do another day or two, jump back in. I'm not, it's designed to be able to do that. But this is the thing: I don't like playing it on the television. I don't like playing <laughs> it in a big television. That's I put my headphones on. I don't like the fact that this is an 100-hour game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is like menu management and a lot of it is like grindy combat. And there are really interesting sections and really interesting things that go on. 
It's also weird that like 70% of the game is voiced. Like there are large stretches of dialogue that don't have full voice yeah, acting. And I'm like, this is a shame. Um, and this is not going to be like a helpful thing for anyone because there's nothing you can do about this. No. And certainly if it happened, I don't think it would necessarily get me to play it from the start again. I really wish this was on a handheld console or my laptop because it'd be so much easier for me to just fuck yeah. around and play yeah, on yeah, it. That's, that's true. That is true. I think it would suit being on the Switch. And it's um, weird that it's not because um, it's been on the PS3 and the Switch is like as powerful. A lot of people thought when the, they did the Persona 5 reveal for Smash yeah. that that was like a reveal that it was going to be on the Switch. Yeah. Um, to be honest, it sounds like you should probably try Persona 5 Strikers because that does real-time combat. Yeah, but that's a Musu game and I'm... Boring Musu games. Musu game. It's basically they put hundreds of enemy on screen and oh, you press square like until they're all gone. It's, ex- it's exactly the same theme as Hyrule Warriors. That's a Musu game. Right. Yeah, I tried a little bit of that new one. Do you know I what I would fan. love if it was like? If Final Fantasy. It, uh, it was like Final Fantasy VII remake. remake. <laughs> there you they go. took out all that all that turn-based combat and replaced it with the same system as in Final because because Final Fantasy VII yeah. remake still lets you do spells, weaknesses, special types of attack. The thing that I really loved about Final Fantasy VII remake was it. I, when I started playing it, I was like, oh, this is like a beat 'em up version of Final Fantasy. This is a lot more fun. And then as you got further into it, as I was like, oh no, it is still an RPG. Yeah. It's just now like dodging matters and resource management matters and it's like a live thing that I have to engage with. There are fights in Final Fantasy VII Remake where I'm on the edge of my seat with tension and I'm focused and I'm trying to dodge everything and block everything and I'm like absolutely, that final fight in particular I I found really difficult I was determined to win and then I figured out that I could counter things far more easily than I thought I could. Um yeah. I've not been on the edge of my seat in a single fight in Persona 5. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just going through the motions of selecting the most optimal route every single fair. time. And too much of the game is that. So the problem I have is I love the story, I love the aesthetic, I love the overall like ideas of the game. I think it's a beautifully executed version of what it is. I just don't think it was ever going to be something that was ever going to like catch my heart in the way that it was like... That's fair. I, is it better than the uh, and the game that is currently? What I don't know. What is the current game? Well, I, unless this is a spoiler, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil. No, any I think other, I think this one will come out after. So this is the thing: is that it's not so much. It's not so much that it's like the current reigning champion anymore. It used to be that system. I realized that was a flawed system pretty early on when I gave it to <laughs> Sniper Elite Four and then various other games. The truth is, right now, the best the best video games I've never played. If you want like a proper list of them, are probably Return of the Obra Dinn, yeah, uh, Wonder Song, yeah, and Frostpunk. I've never played any of those games. Which is exactly why this podcast exists, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> because the whole point of this podcast is find the games people haven't played and they love. And of those three, like, I think it's not surprising Return of the Oberdin because it's a fairly well-known indie game. Wonder Song was completely out of the blue and I adored it. And um, Frostpunk was, the reason I gave it was because it was in a genre I normally don't like. Mm. And it won me over because it overcame a lot of the flaws in that genre. That's fair. Persona 5 is a solid gold, amazing version of its genre. Yeah. But it has all of the problems of its genre. It's just really good at the stuff that excels. And I think I am probably going to keep playing it. I would say get to... If you can get to the um, the, the palace I'm ta- I, I spoke about earlier... If you can get to that point, 
and you're still not a fan, yeah, then don't bother. So look, here's here's the really awkward thing now, Zach. My judgment on Persona Five, yeah, is I don't know. <laughs> Definitely the best game you've never played. It's though. it it basically the conclusion is it might be. It might be. It might. <laughs> it be. might be. Might well and be. I, I, I don't I don't want to say it isn't. I don't want to say it no. isn't, but I don't want to say it is yet. So okay. I, I feel like, and it's a frustrating thing because I didn't think this was a conclusion I could come to because I came in going, in my head, the notes I'd made, I went, it's not. It's really good, but it's not. At the end of this conversation... I, genuinely, I, it's a tricky one. I've seen a lot of critique online of Persona 5's first four to five hours yeah. because it is slow. Oh my gosh, it's a very yeah. slow opening. I do think in comparison to other games that have slow openings, just for the sake of having really slow openings, it does teach you a fair amount about how the game works I don't think, in those first yeah, four I, hours. But, th- but this again feeds into the problem with Persona 5 is I agree that the first four to five hours are really slow. I also think they have to be. Yeah. Because there is a huge amount of exposition they have to get yeah. through. There is a huge amount of gameplay mechanics. They even do the thing you should do in a story that's going to have a slow opening, which is that it has a bombastic and wonderful Brilliant opening set stuff. piece that's yeah. really exciting and feels like you're getting down to it. But it's too it, it, like there's no getting around it. Like we were before the podcast, we were discussing the Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess, yeah. which I think has the worst opening of any video game ever. That's actually Very really slow. good. Yeah, um, because eventually Twilight Princess is brilliant. There's no reason Twilight Princess's opening has to be that slow because it's not like it doesn't play exactly the same as Ocarina of Time. I think a similar opening in terms of its need would be something like Red Dead 2 where it has a fairly slow couple of hours but that is like sort of to teach you how to play it. It's not really to teach you how to play it. I it's, mean, you sort of get how to play it from that first mission where you go and shoot people. The thing about Red Dead Redemption 2 is that it's made by people who want to give it the pacing of a slow, methodical, thoughtful, like, yeah. post-50s Western. It's trying to be like, it's got a deliberate artistic style. And I suppose that's the same with Persona 5. I Yeah, <laughs> it's trying to be a post-1950s Western. Not a post-1950s Western, but it's sort of trying to replicate the feeling of playing uh, a, an anime. Yeah, I was going to say, Persona 5 is episodic as hell. Like, it's so... Yeah. It's like, it literally builds up, like... I feel like I've played season one of however many yes. episodes of Persona 5 exist. Oh, and I have, yeah. And again, this is kind of why I'm like, I don't know. Because I know that the first series of anything is usually the clunkiest, because it's like, we've got to establish loads of stuff. Yeah. And I feel like I'm getting to the stage of Persona 5 where maybe, that, like you say, there's more things to establish in terms of like extra mechanics. But like they're like, okay, you've got your main characters. You've got the context of what they do and how they do it. I did worry that after I finished the first story, I was going to be like, well, all these characters were interconnected into this story in a way that really made sense and was emotional. I'm not really sure if they can pull that off a second time. Mm. Can't just be another teacher's corrupt. There's just going to be a series of fights against teachers. No. Um, yeah. I think they, they do it in a very interesting way in that obviously with the first palace you are very much on the back foot of like what, what what's is going this? on yeah. whereas with the second and and so on it becomes more like we sort of know what we're doing it now. kind of feels like yeah it kind of um, feels like they're moving into the next series there's um, almost an admission by the game where it's sort of like we should keep doing this for the good of everyone and I'm like okay so we've gone into like a superhero mentality rather than a we need to do this or yeah. our lives are doomed mentality yeah. But again, I don't want to spoil too much because it sounds yeah. like you're going to carry on at least a bit. I think I'm going to keep playing it. And I think as a result, and it's a, it's a frustrating conclusion, 
I'm going to have to say... Good, uh, to be continued. <laughs> more or less. More or less. I'm not necessarily sure I'll do a full episode on this again, but I might catch up with you later. Yeah, I'd love to. And finish up and go, look, it might, it might be. Because I feel like as well, I played all of The Witcher 3. Yeah, this that's, that's long. That's a long game. I love The Witcher 3. <laughs> I, I liked The Witcher 3 more than I thought I would, and I was glad it was picked for the podcast in some respect because it was the excuse it gave me. But I also told myself, you were going to have to finish this game because you are probably going to be really critical of it, and you need to have the backing of knowing that you know knowing what you're thinking is right. And The Witcher 3 was a game that, as I played it, it changed... My perception of it changed a lot. To the yeah. extent where, at the start, I was like, oh, I like this more than I thought I would. And by the end, I was like, oh, here's the game I was scared it was going to be. I feel like with Persona, I've got a similar thing happening. There's stuff early on in it that I'm like, this is really cool. And if you can lock this down, this is great. But I feel like what I'm probably going to do is do... I might just drop it into easy. Because yeah, I don't feel like the combat is something I'm massively into. And I don't feel like forcing myself to try and engage with it, I think, will make me more frustrated. Whereas if I could just play through the story, yeah, I think I'd have a great time. Yeah, do that. Which then leads to the final thing that I've been keeping in, and I've hinted at it earlier. There is just an anime of Persona 5. Yes, there is. There's also a manga. Do you, could, you could do those if you want to. Um, I suppose the, the big thing that it, I don't know, I haven't watched the anime. Yeah. I watched, one, I think, one episode of it, and it was all right, but I've played through the game, so I yeah, know the yeah. story. Um I suppose it misses those confidant builds, like the, the little stories that you have with the characters. Yeah. And I think for the most part, my favourite part of Persona 5 are the individual character stories. And as you go on through the game, you become more and more, you know, you then, feel for, for them a bit more. You have a bit more of a... A relationship with them. Yeah, it's up to you. If you just want the basic story, watch but the then, anime. But then this is this. Then this this is the problem. But is, then it's, is it's... Persona Five the best video game I've never played? Well, if it isn't, you can go watch the anime. <laughs> so I mean, no, I, I hate to say, does Persona Five need to be a video game? Because I've played it, yes. and I'm like, if you like this type of video game, it absolutely should be a video game because it has like, even though I don't like turn-based JRPG combat, if you do, it's brilliant. Even though I'm not massive on the visual novel thing, mm -hmm. and like you've explained, like the confidant thing, like is it engages the player in the sense that, like, the fact it has a limited time scale, you're investing in a character because you actually, you personally actually want to know where that story goes. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, as you said, there's a completionist way to do all of them. Yeah. But if you're going in blind and you don't really know it, the characters you'll gravitate towards helping are the characters you, the player, care about. So there is a like legitimate reflection of gameplay. So I don't think I could... Like, the easy criticism for me to do would be to go, oh, Persona 5's not a very good game. It's a good story and there's loads yeah. of ways to do it. But I think maybe the medium does matter. Hmm. I think you're right. I, there's a little bit of me that sort of feels like maybe there's a sort of Stockholm Syndrome element to Persona 5. And as there is with any video game that's hundreds of hours long, where you're like, I love this character because I've spent 70 hours with them. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, was something I felt like a lot of The Witcher 3, like... A lot of the love that game gets is because it's very long and they have lots of strong, detailed character breakdowns. But yeah. I raced through it without doing any of the side stuff and people were like, how can you say this character's shallow? And I'm like, because of the fact that the things are the same they do. 
Persona, even though I'm racing through it, even though I'm not doing like side quests, side note, I'm not entirely sure I found a way to do side quests in the game. The only yet. side quests that are properly in Persona 5 are from the fan site. You get requests to, I have go, done into, that stuff, which is just, to go into mementos, uh, which is like the just. You it's know, like a big dungeon. The challenge dungeon sort yeah. of and, it's mo- and again, I was doing that because I'm like, well, I should level up the character before I yeah. do the next dungeon. Um, the, that's, that's sort of that function. Probably... Sometimes from them, you get some new confidants, etc. You yeah. can get or, or new abilities or some nice items. Um, but for the most part, they are the side quests. Yeah. Um, there isn't anything really... I suppose the, the main side quest is the confidant relationship. This is what I mean. They would be your side quests. I feel like I can... If I was to just blitz through Persona 5 and not massively engage with too much of the side content, I still feel like the characters are well-written and I like them and I want to spend time with them. The difference that I think it has to something like The Witcher 3 is that you are constantly surrounded by these characters as well. And they are interacting with each other as well as just you. You get to see how their stories fit in with the grander narrative because they all sort of do fit into a grander narrative there's a really good character which i don't think you'll have met yet who Mm. is a a lot of people love them a lot of people hate them again there's i I think you still haven't met quite a few of the really good ones (laughs) which is a real which is really annoying because this is the because you've still spent 13 hours already in it which is you know a fairly long time to put into a into a video game when you're trying to balance lots of other games I tend to be a person that like picks a game and then sticks with that for a long time <laughs> and then goes on to oh, another I've got one. So many things bouncing around now and stuff on top of this podcast. But so the conclusion is is Persona 5 the best video game I've never played? I'm gonna put like NA asterisks, we'll find out later. If someone listening to this podcast right now knows that they like Joe, if you like Pokemon, if you are someone who actually enjoys Pokemon, yeah. you should play Persona 5. Because Persona 5 is definitely better than Pokemon in my book. Oh, it's it's 100% better. If you like Pokemon, if you liked... I, I would say if you like most Final Fantasy games... Yeah, again, something that's not... Final Fantasy 7 is the only I, Final Fantasy 7 it's the game. Only one, it's the only one I've played, to be it, perfectly it, honest. Yeah. But it's that sort of style. If you liked Fire Emblem Three Houses, <laughs> you'll really like Persona 5. And also, um, I love the Phoenix Wright games. Hmm. And they have terrible gameplay. They're, they're like really bad point and clicks a lot of the time. But I love them because I love the characters and the story. And I think Persona 5 is probably a mark above Phoenix Wright in terms of writing. So if you like Phoenix Wright, you will probably love Persona 5. <laughs> so this is the thing that's frustrating now. is I've gone, it's definitely better than a lot of other video games I've played. It was, maybe it is one of the best video games I've never played. Maybe I can just say that now. It doesn't have to be a top ranking. I don't have to say it's better than the other no, ones No, no, of course not. Really I'm gonna, no, I'm going to back it. I think you've convinced me. This is the first time actually someone in a conversation <laughs> has actually turned my head on it. Yeah, Persona 5 is the best video game I've never played. Um, put it this way. If you're act- actively going away from the game and listening to music from the game yeah, in your true. car, that shows that it's having a lasting impact oh, on you. Oh, yeah. No, aesthetically, I think it's great. It's beautiful. I think I'm going to end up buying Joker and Smash. I remember when they announced yeah. it, I was like, who's this guy? I don't care. It's, and now I'm like, he's pretty cool. Smash is, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the best bit about it is the different stages you get in Smash because you get the memento stage which is all the red all and the, black oh, yeah, and then you can change it to the colour schemes depending upon the music that's for the cool. previous Persona games so it's chucked in Persona 4 and Persona oh, 3 music cool. and then it changes it because this one has a red aesthetic Persona 5 goes all in on the red red and black yeah yeah and then Persona 4 I think was all yellow and black yeah. and Persona 3 was blue so 
the characters tend to have something that fits with the color scheme as well, which is, cool. you know, I think it, it's a beautiful game, despite it being developed for the PS3. It still I looks kind of, fab. Yeah, I think it looks fantastic. And I but, don't think it's been held back by that at all. But yeah, and you also mentioned the soundtrack, and there was a side note I wanted to say, which I was looking at the PlayStation Store, and they had a sale on, there's a rhythm game series based on the music from the Persona games. <laughs> and I was looking at the Persona 5 one, and I'm like, it could be fun to do a rhythm game. I looked up a review, and they went, the music in Persona 5 is wonderful, and because it's all laid-back jazz, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't suit a rhythm game even slightly. It's got weird it's time true. signatures, and it's not it's exciting. Yeah, if you, the most rhythm, uh, the rhythmic um, song in it is the combat song. And you've already said that you're sick of that one. No, I still love it. It's it's a pain in the ass when you have to listen to it from the start over and over again. Yeah. But the actual song itself is beautiful. And it has a main theme as well that's really great as well. Yes. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's, it's something uh, to do with lice. Which one is it? There is a, there's one that's like Steal Your Heart, which Steal is, your heart, I think which is, is the one good. that plays when you're doing the heists. Yes, and it's the big exciting... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beneath the mask is the one that's like the really chill one when you're in like the coffee shop and yes, stuff. Yeah. And it's it's oh, it's just some lovely. So that's it. You you, I'm legitimately glad because I'm now probably after this going to go and play Persona Five. Play it. It's good. And have a good time. Thanks very much for coming on, Zach. Yeah, no problem. No worries. Well, there we go. That was Zach Sizer uh, with Persona 5, a video game that I I really genuinely was surprised at how much I liked. I will be honest with you, after that chat, I did try and go and play more. I didn't get much further because I got distracted, and I am now currently touring the country with Any Suggestions Doctor, the improvised Doctor Who parody, and as a result, I don't have time to do anything. <laughs> so... <laughs> Here's hoping one day I will be able to go back and, and finish Persona 5. But I feel like that chat, it was a really good chat. I will say, upon reflection on it, I feel like Persona 5 getting the best game you've never played uh, award is heavily, heavily asterisked. It's like, it's like if you were to rank all of the games I've given that title to... Uh, it's It's very low down my list because I still think I've got a lot of problems with it. But it's almost too it's almost too interesting and too good. It's too well produced to overlook and pretend it isn't really, really good at what it's trying to do. So I you know, that's why this conversation was so long. Uh, that's why it's uh, such a good time to talk about it. Hey, I've already mentioned it twice in this podcast, but I'm gonna talk about it a third time. Zach and I are both in a show called Any Suggestions Doctor, the Improvised Doctor Who parody. It is an improvised episode of Doctor Who based on audience suggestions. It's been to Edinburgh. It's had five-star reviews. Uh, it's had four-star reviews. It's also had other reviews. Ignore those ones. But the five-star and four-star reviews are big time. Uh, we've had people endorse it, like John Coleshaw, who you might know is a very famous impressionist from Dead Ringers. He came and saw the show. He loved it. Uh, it's a very fun time. If you go to anysuggestionsimprov.co.uk, you can see the list of tour dates that we currently have up. Uh, it's it's really it's just top notch fun, guys. We've we've done two of the tour dates so far. Uh, it's proving to be a fascinating experience doing a touring show. It's very tiring, <laughs> um, um, but it is a lot of fun. And I would you know if you're listening to the, if you're listening to this, you probably already know probably because the other episodes of this podcast also contain adverts for the show. Um, but it, this this project means a lot to me personally. It's it's a real um, extrapolation of all of the things I've been doing over the years into an actual marketable product. So let's see how it goes. 
Uh, Zach also does the Ciliad, which is an improvised myths and legends show. Uh, that's currently awaiting uh, some dates to, to get out on the road. But if you follow them on Twitter and possibly Instagram, I don't have Instagram, so I don't know. Um, but the Ciliad is out there. They make really funny content um, while they're uh, awaiting their next ability to do shows and tours. I'm sure it can't be too far off. Uh, there's only so long that humanity will tolerate living indoors for the entirety of its existence. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you like the show, you can subscribe, you can review it. This is just a bit at the end of the podcast where I really ask you to validate my existence by either coming to see my tour shows, um, supporting my guests, or supporting it at the very least support this thing. Which, if you've gotten this far into the episode and you've gotten to the end, sure, surely you have some feelings about this show. It can't just be, it can't, even if it's meh, even if you don't, you've got an opinion now. So why not share that opinion on a podcast platform? Um, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe.